It's interview day, Shannon. It is. You know, yeah. I, I always have, a, I, I respect uh, a ton of respect for business owners that have started multiple businesses and especially when they're running them all at the same time. And I know how difficult that is. So today, yeah, I feel, you know, I we, feel we, that. We, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's always a big battle. And so we, we're really fortunate to have uh, Gary Von Meyer uh, on the show today. And he's got some great expertise uh, in, in, Starting multiple businesses and running them and uh, his 80 percent rule of time management is perhaps one of the most important things I think has ever been mentioned on this show. And you get to hear about it in a little bit here. So, yeah, you uh, don't want to miss that. No, you don't. It's great. You don't. You don't. All right, man. uh, Let's do it. Shall we? Let's do it. Yep. Welcome to the Small Business Show, episode 236 for Wednesday, August 14th, 2019. We already told you we've got this great interview coming up. We've got three great sponsors, Linode, Go.co, and Blip Billboards that we're going to tell you about in a little bit here. And uh, and we're just happy to be here. It's, uh, you know, we it's are Wednesday. It's a good thing. It's the best part of the week. I know. It is. It really is the best yep. part of the week. It's good. It's good. I agree. Uh Before we get to this interview, I actually do want to take a second and talk about Linode uh, because Linode is you are going to need to run servers for your business. It's just how it goes, right? You also might want to run them for yourself personally, but whether you need just to host a website, whether you need to host a VPN, whether you want a Minecraft server, you want to host a server. It happens to the best of us. And You don't want to spend more money than you're supposed to, and you want to make sure you're hosting on a reliable, fast platform. And this is where Linode comes in. A hundred percent of their servers all run native SSD storage. That means even their five dollar a month plan, you're still running on SSDs. And disk access is the thing that makes your server faster right out of the gate. So you get native SSDs. You're on their 40 gigabit network. You get to pick from any one of their 10 worldwide data centers, including a new one in Toronto. If you like the command line, you like to be a geek. Sure, you can do that. Set up a server, spin it up. Good to go. If you don't like that, you're also good. Set up a server Choose what you're using it for. WordPress. They've got all these sort of predetermined things. You pick, you want to run a WireGuard VPN or an open VPN, or like I said, WordPress or Minecraft. You just pick that while you're setting up the server. You put in what you want to, you know, there'll be some questions related to what you just picked, but they're easy questions. They're like, what are you using WordPress for? You know, that sort of thing. And then boom, they automatically install the things you need. You got to check this out. Visit linode.com slash SBS. And don't forget, we have a special promo code for you. SBS 2019 gets you a $20 credit. That means four months of their lowest cost, $5 a month server. Linode.com slash SBS. Coupon code SBS 2019. That's SBS 2019. Our thanks to Linode for sponsoring this episode. I, uh, I actively look at my time management almost daily. I mean, really, I'm looking at it pretty often, probably more really, you know, more uh, weekly than anything of, hey, where am I allocating my time? How can I move my 
my time around to somebody else? How can I duplicate myself and pass that task down to somebody else who's at least my rule of thumb is 80% capable. If they're 80% capable, I'd, I'd love to be able to move that task off and, and move on to the, the next item. Uh, I get this quite a bit. So we all know that mobile devices, phones, laptops, tablets, they're critically important in our lives, in the business world, educational markets. Uh, and when this stuff stops working, business stops, people panic. Uh, and so I'm really uh, excited to have a guest on our show today, Gary Von Meyer. He, Gary has spent the last decade creating and building companies to keep these devices up and running, as well as managing the reverse cycle when we upgrade or those products become obsolete. Gary's the co-founder of Genius Phone Repair, Mobile Defenders, and Tech Defenders. And Gary, we're really glad to have you. And uh, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thank thank you so much, Shannon. Really, really happy to be on as well. Yeah, we appreciate it. We always reach out, uh, try to find interesting, you know, business owners to tell their story. And you certainly have had uh, an interesting, you know, decade or so. So let let's start at the start. Uh, it, talk a little about why how you got into the mobile repair market back in two thousand nine with Genius Phone Repair, and then. You know, it seemed to quickly transition a few years later, uh, co-founding, you know, Mobile Defenders. So so I'd love to hear the introduction, how you got started and then what led to starting a second company. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, first off, it's yeah, it's interesting to hear you say decade because yeah. it's been it's been quick and it is almost actually um, going on 10 years at this point. So I don't know if anybody's ever said that I have a decade um, of experience yet in this space, but it, it's, uh, it is 10 years now. So it's interesting. I think it's a great first, accomplishment. First, first, wait yeah. until you like, it's going to feel like tomorrow when you realize, Oh, I have two decades of experience. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've got three kids at home. So it seems like life is going twice as fast these days. But, totally. With work. But uh, yeah, so we got started in business. I've got two business partners, uh, Jordan Notenbaum and Steve Barnes. Uh, we went to high school together. So we actually got started in business. Um, Jordan started the company in 2009 and I joined on board um, shortly after he had started um, the business. Actually, uh, he, he it was his really idea. Everybody always thinks I'm a tech guy because I've got a few different tech businesses, but not really. Actually, when we first started the business, I still had a texting phone for probably the first year, year and a half until I felt pretty obligated to get a smartphone. (laughs) But uh, Jordan started the business. He was, he just loved tinkering with electronics. And, um, you know, when the first iPhone came out, I remember he did a repair for a friend. Actually, it's ironic that it was an unsuccessful repair. Um, The first iPhone was very difficult to to work on, but he just loved tinkering with things. And um, he saw a really big opportunity uh, smartphone adoption, uh, you know, was just kind of initiating. And it, it was, everybody was talking about how, you know, in the future, everybody will have smartphones. So really, it was a lot of business people um, really at first that that had Blackberries and Palm Pilots um, even a little bit before that. But uh, yeah, it, so, and he told me a little bit about the idea. We went to high school together and he brought the business to me. And I, the, I said, yeah, sounds like a, sounds like a great idea. I love being able to capture some of that smartphone like trend that seems like it's uh, definitely going to be a big, big growing market. Love to be able to, um, you know, service that industry and, and kind of live on the back end. So, yeah, Jordan really uh, came up with the idea. And then I joined on board um, and, really shortly thereafter. Let me ask you right there. Were you doing something different? Were you working for someone else at that time before you made the leap to come on with Jordan? 
Yeah. Yeah. Everybody always asks me, Hey, what was your background before doing these businesses? And I always tell everybody, well, it's funny. I was a server at Applebee's. I was a teller at a credit union here in town. And I, was a, I was the financial advisor for about a year. So I studied finance at a local university here, Grand Valley State University. And then um, I was a financial advisor for about a year when we were starting Genius Phone Repair. But uh, a lot of this, uh, a lot of my experience was uh, learned the hard way on the fly um, through some mentorship, a lot of audio books, and, uh, you know, surround myself with um, a, a good leadership team. But, uh, yeah. Very cool. So then a- after a few years, uh, you guys branched out and you yep. started Mobile Defenders. So mm-hmm. uh, having gone down this path, this, this kind of path before and started similar businesses. I'm, I'm intrigued in the reasoning behind uh, coming out with a different brand uh, in, a, in yep. a similar space, I believe, right? Yeah, very similar. Yeah, we opened our first retail location actually in 2011 um, called Genius Phone Repair. And we quickly, you know, I left my job as a financial advisor about six months after that. And uh, we opened up a second store in the area here in, in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Once we got to four stores, we were buying enough parts from other like wholesalers here in the US. And we realized that they really weren't that great at what they were doing. And they were all just buying the same like commoditized aftermarket parts from overseas and not really providing any value. Um, didn't really understand the market all that much. They were just really brokering parts, it felt like. And we had, we were buying, I think, probably around $100,000 in parts a month or so at that point. So we saw a pretty big opportunity to supply ourselves. Um, so we launched. Um, this other business really to start supplying a little bit of the industry, but it wasn't like this like grand idea that we were going to, um, you know, attack the, the market initially. It was really just to supply ourselves and to help um, reduce our costs. So we just start, we actually went overseas um, over to China and, and met with several vendors and uh, kind of started that process of supplying ourselves. And then before we knew it, we started listing some parts on eBay and some other channels. And uh, it just, it took off uh, pretty quickly for us of supplying others. They came to us because we knew the industry and we would uh, help give them some technical advice or even advice on growing their, their business. Cause we, we lived in it. We were immersed in it every day. And we always told them that we tested the quality um, right in our own, right in our own stores. So um, we, we knew the cell phone market was going to be cell phone repair industry was going to be a really big market that we wanted to go out and get. And really to get market share in the market, you had to open up a lot of doors or uh, we wanted to look at other options um, to really capture more of that market. So we looked at the distribution side. So that's really when we, you know, started buying parts ourselves and then selling them and, and creating this whole brand mobile defenders um, and really supplying other retail cell phone repair stores that allowed us to, you know, help go out and grab a larger portion of the market than we would ever be able to get by opening up our own stores. And we looked at franchising at one point and, um, that, you know, that's, uh, you know, was a little bit of a mistake for us. I think we just really didn't know that market all that well. It's a different business than just growing our own, our own business. Sure. Um, so, yeah. so distribution was the next best option. And um, yeah, we just looked at the market and just didn't really, you know, really thought that it was a good growing market and the competition um, wasn't there. You know, we really thought we could um, beat the competition um, in that market and it, it was a new growing industry. So it wasn't, you know, well-developed at the time either. So, yeah, yeah. So that th- there's a lesson here, right? Because, you know, as business owners, we often start our businesses because we, we, we see a, a need, right? Generally it often it's scratch our own itch and, and somebody else probably has the same itch. While you're in business, you will find other itches you need to scratch to get your business running, not just, you know, something in your personal life. 
Don't mm-hmm. forget to stop and think about maybe there's other business owners that need that same itch scratched. And now you can expand and broaden and, and or pivot or, you know, whatever. There's all yeah. kinds of things that can be done. And, and you're I mean, that what that's exactly what you did. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Often I'm the one that scratches too many itches, uh, unfortunately. Same. So. Yeah. <laughs> You're talking to two experts, two professionals. Right professionals. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's but, a but club. I, We've got jackets. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I imagine you look at that and like, well, hey, we have this problem. Certainly other companies are having this problem. Exactly. You know, therein lies the opportunity, right? And yep. uh, yeah, that, that, that's awesome. So, okay. Yeah. So then about, let, let's move on down the timeline here. A year and a half or so later, uh, you know, another itch comes up and you you guys decide to go out and launch tech defenders which is branching out i believe into a, a another area mm-hmm. so you know looking at a trend here um what was the move uh into into launching tech defenders about yeah so we uh, we started working with schools actually at you know with genius phone repair probably in 2012 or 13 ipads going sure. into the classrooms uh started to gain quite a bit of uh, traction and there was just a lot of talk about technology going in um, into K twelve. Really, you know, educators and parents, everybody wanted their um, kids, uh, you know, using technology early on. So there's a big trend there that uh, started to gain a lot of momentum. And then we were a natural choice for some local schools to get those iPads and other devices fixed. So we started doing some repair with schools um, in 2012, like I said, and um, you know, come 2014, there was just enough technology and in schools where we thought there was enough of a market there to really go out and create a separate like spinoff of genius phone repair. Basically, um, instead of doing repairs out of our stores, we uh, created a depot location to service these these school districts. And uh, you know, really, as just a branch off of genius phone repair in 2012, there was, I think, around five million devices sold into U.S. K-12 market. And then fast forward all the way to. Uh, last year, I think it was up to like 14 to 15 million. So the market has yeah. gone out astronomically. And so we, we saw that starting to happen. And so we um, really looked at, well, how do we how do we repair those devices? Because unfortunately, the, the students don't take care of them uh, like their their own devices most of the time. What? So, Are you sure? <laughs> I know. Yeah. Hard to believe. Right. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, that's why we, we spun it off. We were using the name Genius Phone Repair and it just wasn't right because we we're fixing a lot of laptops and tablets. And we wanted to have a, you know, more of a B2B business, um, you know, different different uh, acquisition of customers, a whole different market than the B2C channel. So. Uh, spun that off, created created an own business or a depot, created a little bit of an uh, inside sales team to call on schools and uh, start going down that. It, it, it's a whole entirely different you know, education technology market than the retail cell phone repair market that we were really in before. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. Well, I, well, I have some questions about this, uh, but before I jump into that, uh, I think we have a message from one of our awesome sponsors, right, Dave? Actually, we have a message from two of our awesome sponsors. The first one that I want to start with here is Go.co. You know, you need a website, right? We talked about that earlier. Well, the question is, what name are you going to use? And we've all been there with .coms where every single thing is taken. Enter Go.co. Shannon and I have been there. That's how we wound up with businessshow.co because using .co, we were able to get exactly the domain name that we wanted. And it's easy to say, 
you've already proven that it's easy to remember because you're here, businessshow.co. More than 2 million domains registered across the world use .co, and there's a better chance of getting the exact domain name you want when you compare it to .com. Plus, with .co, go.co, you get extra goodies like freebies and perks and resources, all these things that are specifically designed for startups and new businesses. Some of the biggest brands and coolest startups use .co, like Google with g.co and campus.co. And the small business show with businessshow.co. So you can get your .co domain today while it's still available. And because you're a small business show listener, we've arranged for a special deal. Register your .co domain for just $5 plus. Get three months of website builder and hosting services for free by visiting go.co slash SBS today. To get our special offer, five bucks, three months, go to go.co slash SBS. Our thanks to go.co for sponsoring this episode. Now you've got your business together. You know what you're doing. You've got your website, but you need people to know about you. Well, growth. That's what you need. That's why we're excited to tell you about blip billboards. Blip billboards provides a great opportunity for small businesses to get seen and grow through affordable billboard advertising. You've seen them, right? A great billboard can make a big impression. It can provide mass exposure and brands your business to everyone who sees it. But in the past, billboards have been super expensive, available only to big companies. Blip billboards change that. Rather than selling billboard space by expensive month-long contracts with Blip, you just pay per display on a digital billboard. These displays, called blips, last about 10 seconds and go for just a few cents each. It's so easy to get your campaign started. You pick the billboard locations. You choose the days and times you want to be seen. You set your daily budget. You upload your creative. Like you, you can just make it. You can have them do it for you if you want. But you can make your own graphic and you just upload it. And then you launch your campaign right from your desk, right from your laptop, whatever. And then you're live and you get to pick exactly which billboards you want your campaign to appear on and what times of day you want it to appear. It's so, so cool. So you can try blip billboards today to make a big impression without breaking your budget. And we've got a special URL to help with that budget because you get a $25 credit when you visit blipbillboards.com slash SBS. That's right. Blip billboards.com slash SBS. Don't wait. Just go. Our thanks to blip billboards for sponsoring this episode. All right, Shannon, back to you. Awesome. So, okay. So you get the tech defenders now along the way here, I would imagine you're sharing lots of these resources with the the three different entities. Is Mm -hmm. is that correct? I mean, your back office, all that kind of stuff. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. That's great. And then, uh, when uh, are you shifting? What, one of the things that I'm always intrigued with is is managing time, you know, and especially with because I, I always struggle with it and I have multiple businesses and I've always had them. And it's like, what, where's the most important place to focus? Um, what do you what, what techniques do you use, do you use and, and within you, yourself or your team to manage your time? And, you know, where do you spread yourself around? Because you can get spread pretty thin. 
Yeah. Yeah. This is a yeah constant challenge for me about, and in fact, I just, it's like almost a daily, daily challenge that I think yeah, right. of time management. Um, yeah. The, the one nice thing that, you know, everybody always looks at, you know, the three businesses that I have and think that I have to spread, spread, I'm spread pretty thin across them, which I am to some degree, but the nice part about having two other business partners is we kind of have more of a divide and conquer um, sort of approach. So um, really I was running genius phone repair um, all the way from 2011 till 2016. And during that time when, you know, the overlap of having mobile defenders, my partner uh, partners, Jordan and Steve really helped run and um, grow mobile defenders. And so I wasn't very active in that business. I was an advisor and, you know, my partners and I meet every, every week um, and discuss, you know, what's going on in the company and strategies and issues and all that jazz. But um, I, um, I've, you know, really had always had one primary focus where I spend the majority of my time, um, which is right, you know, which was genius before and then tech defenders um, after that. Uh, I was spread thin across the different businesses at different times. And I just, I had a really hard time uh, really moving the needle like I wanted to on any one of the businesses. And so I really had to set up the right um, leaders and put the right people in place so I could um, remove myself. Actually, in like 2016, I transitioned Genius over to separate leadership. And we ended up later on selling that business in uh, January of 2018. But I, I could not spread my time out across both businesses and really move the needle like I wanted to. So I, uh, I actively look at my time management almost daily. I mean, really, I'm looking at it pretty often, probably more really, you know, more uh, weekly than anything of, hey, where am I allocating my time? How can I move my, my time around to somebody else? How can I duplicate myself and pass that task down to somebody else who's at least my rule of thumb is 80% capable. If they're 80% capable, I'd, I'd love to be able to move that task off and, and move on to the the next item. Uh, I get this quite a bit too with time management. I always, I always go back to this one, one audio book that I listened to early on. It was called uh, E-Myth by Michael Gerber. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you guys have ever read or heard of it. Yeah, but, we talk about but, it on the show a lot. Yeah. Do you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Great it's book. a fantastic book. I oftentimes, like anytime I have an issue, I, I'll, it with time management or systems, I'll go back and um, reread that book or I'll prescribe it to others who ask me the question about time management and, uh, and, and that sort of thing. So um, it's a constant battle, I'll tell you, um, definitely. But I, I try to stay focused on one business with 80% of my time at, um, at a time. So, yeah, no, that's so that, great. what a great, great rule, advice. that 80% rule of time management, man. Like if, yeah. if right, like, you know, that if you wait until someone can do a job that you're already doing a hundred percent as well or better than you, I, I mean, certainly if it's a job that you can hire someone that has some experience with it, maybe that's possible. But right. if you're trying to, you know, hand it off to someone internal, how could they possibly mm -hmm. do it 100% as well as you? Like, it's not going to happen. Right. You have to right. accept that. that. Oh, what a, exactly. that 80% rule, man. That's freeing. Yeah. That's great. I like yeah. It. Yeah. it is. Yeah. yeah. That's a challenge, too. I think in my head, I have to, I have to go with 80% because I have to be okay with them not doing it 
as quite well. as well as yeah. me. And, and, yeah, yeah, and of course. That's we'll a general rule of thumb, right? There's definitely times like I just we were we just hired a new CFO and he, you know, he better be able to be better than 80% of me as a CFO. We're gonna have a problem there. Sure. But but in general, you know, early on and as you're you're growing and you know, growing throughout the business, that's that's been my rule. I thought I got it from Emith. I can't remember what book I, I got that from, but I definitely stole it from somewhere. Yeah, yeah it sounds familiar, but advice. it like I, I don't know that I ever heard it explained quite as as succinctly as you just did like that that painted mm-hmm. a picture of of oh wait there's freedom on the other side of this i'll take it i'm sold right, right. yep yeah. So, you know. yeah i mean especially the this the concept and the e-myth that uh, that stuck with me forever was you know getting time to work on your business you know not being stuck in it every single mm-hmm. day and i always struggle with that um mm-hmm. and and so i mean it, that that book is is critically important and uh uh, highly recommend it. So l- let me ask you, let, let's jump back into the, the genius phone repair. And uh, I asked this question because I have a, a lot of personal experience with it. It used to drive me crazy uh, on a micro level on the repair business and this kind of thing uh, and parts. I, I was in the Apple space for years when it was this, you know, high margin, beautiful uh, thing where people really were happy, you know, uh, didn't complain about price points as much. But over time with the phone market and tablets, uh, that changed and a lot of the products kind of got commoditized. And mm-hmm. I mean, what did you guys do or, or how did you manage? And maybe this is one of the reasons you're not focused on that repair market as much anymore <laughs> is <laughs> the continual falling of prices that impact your ability to provide a quality service to your customer. You know, here they have this thousand dollar device and they, they just have this, I just found myself beating my head against the wall because they didn't think it was worth spending a lot of money to repair. Um, mm-hmm. Did you find that? Or maybe I was just, maybe it's totally different <laughs> experience for you. No, yeah, the, the market, yeah, market definitely commoditized for us um, on the, on the repair side, even really in the parts distribution side. Yeah. Um, I think it, you know, happens with a lot of industries where you're not really in this business. We don't make any, you know, anything unique, you know, even really right. in the iPad side here on, on Tech Defenders where we're really recycling electronics. I mean, there's not like it's like, you know, huge secret what we do. And so then it just becomes, um, you know, a challenge of, well, how can you find a way to differentiate yourself? What are, what are some value add services out there that um, that the market needs that other competitors aren't supplying? And so that's that's where the challenge of, you know, continuously thinking forward and looking for looking at ways to reinvent yourself and just never being complacent with where you're at. And that's um, that's really what we've kind of instilled um, in our culture of our different businesses of of this, you know, growth and constant, constant change, because if you're not growing, you're dying type of mentality. And so um, for us on the genius side, as the market got more commoditized, we looked at other um, services that we could add in. And we looked at other ways we could differentiate ourselves, especially areas where we thought our competitors were weakened. I'll give you one example for us um, really was uh, on the customer service side when you're in a retail, retail business, um, customer service is, is huge. So all of our all of our employees wrote a book called Fans Not Customers. And um, you know, right when they first started, they were they were given that book. It was instilled in our in our core values. It was instilled um, in our training programs and throughout the entire process on, hey, look, in the future, there's gonna be a few different repair shops that anybody can go to. And customer service will likely be a big differentiator. We need to take care of 
we need to take care of our customers. And, and quite honestly, we relied on great customer service um, for our marketing. Uh, we, you know, it's really the best, sure. you know, best marketing that you can invest in is, is, is great customer service. And so I, and I remember my partner, Steve was so good at it. He would, he would spend such a, you know, even with, you know, I, we'd have um, older ladies come in with like flip phones and asking, how do I text on this? And, and even though they probably weren't going to be a customer for us, Steve would spend time with them. And sure enough, they'd have three of their friends coming back in the, the next week. And then all of a sudden they've got their nieces and nephews coming in for iPod and iPad repairs. But really we tried to go the extra mile to, to take care of customers and other, other places were more fly by night. Hey, give me your hundred bucks and I'll fix your screen real quick for you. And, um, and so we really, we really focused on that. We've tried to focus on that in our other businesses um, at, at mobile defenders, an example there, everybody was selling parts. We were really selling, uh, we call it more of parts as a service. So we, we, we were trying to provide um, technical and additional expertise for these repair shops on how to run their business. Hey, this is a good trick that we used in our retail stores on how to bring in additional customers. And I think it'll work for you. Um, and so we really try to educate our reps on being more than just part salespeople. We, we're more of consultants. And so we went with that approach. We've tried to um, do that throughout our businesses of just really doing the right thing and taking care of our customers, our partners that we work with now at this point um, to differentiate ourselves. So No, it's great. I love that fans, not customers. That really makes a big difference, especially as the market starts to get crowded. You know, you gotta, gotta, That's gotta your differentiator, out. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Being able to do the work is table stakes. You, you got to yeah, go beyond that. Yep. Yeah, yep, absolutely. So you, you mentioned your your culture, you know, uh, and instilling this, this you know, customer service and this uh, embracing change. Um, I, I know that surrounding yourself with a great team of people is, is a critical part of your success. And with, with each of these businesses, uh, have you found that there's you have to kind of have a different mindset on how you teach your team and your employees? Or is it just like, hey, this is what we do. This is how we do it. You know, the 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 micro level, this is the different products we deal with, but we're all kind of sharing the same culture. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does make sense. There's um, there's definitely a lot of similarities um, in our cultures, for sure, around that that type of mindset. They're all the, the cultures can be um, a little bit different at the different companies. If you have different leadership, you're going to have a little bit different culture. But we definitely share a lot of the same um, a lot of the same values and, and mentality overall. But each of the different markets are a little bit different, a little bit different leadership right. on the different businesses. Um, but we all do share the mindset of, hey, we can't we can't be. Um, just stable. We we need to we need to keep looking for the next um, evolution, the next uh, you know the next market to go after. Because in this market, especially the way that the world works these days, but even in technology, in, in this market, it changes very fast. So you have to be looking for the next thing. Otherwise, you're going to get uh, left in the dust. So really, um, that that mentality and um, a lot of the values are are definitely shared between the companies. They have their own little bit different culture to them though, overall. Yeah, sure. That makes sense. Yeah. That's great. Uh, so on, on this show, you know, we're big fans of mistakes. I mean, probably because Dave and I have made so many now that may not be the case with you uh, at making mistakes, but we, we learn so much, especially when we get to look back on them. And so if, if there was a, a quote, best mistake that you could recall, where you really learned something important, what, what would that mistake be? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've definitely made, made a few mistakes chasing, 
chasing some of those itches that I shouldn't have, uh, certainly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, there's a, there's one in particular touched on a a little bit, um, earlier, but when we, uh, at genius, we, we really wanted to go out and like I said, capture more of the self repair industry. And so we looked at, we looked at franchising pretty closely and, I remember um, thinking about, hey, you know, we're really not great at franchising, but I think I can I think I can figure it out. But I really um, the really when we we got into it, we had one franchisee who did fairly well. But we quickly realized that it wasn't a market we knew much about. We we really didn't know much about franchising, the, the legal side. The, how do you know getting additional franchisees in that market? We're really good at the cell phone repair, at retail cell phone repair, but franchising is a whole different business. Um, I, I think I and I, I walk back through that decision of hey, why do we really get into this? And it just it felt like the right thing and the, the next step. But I, in, in hindsight, I really wish I would have taken a step back, thought through the decision more, and really had the right mentorship at the time. Um, to, to say, hey, I, I, you know, let's look at the players in the market right now who are in that space and let's see how well they're doing. And do you really have the knowledge um, or the resources to go out and attack that? And I think if I would have stepped back and, and thought about it at the time, the answer would have been no. I just I thought it was like the next thing that we kind of needed to do. So sure. like I often have, I kind of pushed into it um, instead of thinking about it and strategically attacking it or not attacking it. And so I, I've definitely, uh, definitely learned quite a bit from that. I, I still want to look at opportunities, but I look at them a little bit differently. I, I, I try to let them uh, settle um, a little bit more. And I, I tend to try to now get different, uh, different advisors that I kind of validate the um, idea through. And so that's been a big I think it's helped a lot. I mean, I still make continue to make some mistakes, but I think oh, it's helped filter them out certainly um, by by stepping back a little bit and letting them uh, letting them settle to to make sure marinate. I guess I should That's say good advice, uh, yeah. yeah, especially yeah. for the restless business owner, which it sounds right. like you might be. And I, I possibly, that, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, you you want to you don't want to make the mistake of not ever taking action, which doesn't seem like you at all, right? But I mean, just for right. everybody listening, you can get into that you know analysis paralysis scenario where Correct. you convince yourself you're doing work, but really what you're doing is delaying making a decision. Uh, that, so you gotta be, you know, you gotta balance that, but, but yeah, Yeah. the, the the shoot first, ask questions later thing works sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, sometimes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think, no, absolutely. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no. Uh, uh, certainly after you. Oh yeah. So yeah, I I agree. It all depends on your personality type. I'm a, I'm a, yeah, let's do it first and figure the, figure the rest out later type of mentality. I, 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 obviously most, most others tend to think through things too much, um, certainly. But uh, yeah, I yeah, I found that with my personality type, I need to surround myself with people that um, slow me down a little at times, but they, you know, slow me down in the right way. And I trust them. And, you know, we've, they understand my strengths and weaknesses. That's so it's all about surrounding yourself yeah. with the right people. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. Great. Very yeah. cool. Now, uh, I, I, I'm on LinkedIn all the time. I see you up there as well. And I see your, your, uh, a couple different things. I see your sales folks 
you know, promoting your products and services, what's available, let's connect, yada, you know, this kind of thing. But then I also mm-hmm. see you promoting your company culture, which is uh, awesome. And, you know, posting events that you're doing at your uh, facility, all that kind of stuff. I, I really think LinkedIn is a overlooked resource for a lot of businesses. Uh, and, and so my question is, have you found success with LinkedIn on the sales aspect of it as well? And would you encourage other companies to promote their products and services on the platform? Yeah, it's been, um, yeah, very successful for us. I, I would highly encourage it. I, I'm surprised as well that it's underutilized um, by other businesses. I, I think that, yeah, um, especially great. just with the amount of organic reach that you don't, you know, that you don't really have to you pay nothing for at this point. Um, I think that'll change dramatically sure. in the next um, few years, you know, but the value is, is very much there. I mean, it all depends on, on your business, but if you're in a B2B business, I, I think it's very, very underutilized. Um, you know, you, you know, whether it's just general posting to promote your culture, whether it's promoting certain products or whether it's direct messaging or connecting with certain individuals. Um, I, I think the, I think it's going to get very expensive. So we should, all businesses should jump on it and take advantage of it um, while it's free right now. I, I remember when we first started at Genius Facebook, um, yeah. Facebook was free back in 2010. And you do, you throw, we throw up a post and um, it would get, I don't know, a couple thousand views for, for nothing. And I'm like, gosh, this is unbelievable. And, um, and then quickly over time, the, the cost um, went up for every view. And I think it's like now you have to pay for almost any view basically, much, but LinkedIn right. will be there in the future, obviously. So I, I think, um, I think it's very underutilized. So that's great. Yeah. yeah I, you're I, totally I right. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And I love the culture, you know, posting about your business as well. Cause I mean, especially for future talent that you're trying to attract, they're going to be able to look on and see that, oh, wow, they mm-hmm. do value this stuff. They're not, you know, they've been doing this for years and it's mm-hmm. whether it's the guys playing ping pong or the Rupert float thing. I mean, I, I, mm-hmm. I, as a, as a fellow business owner, it really, uh, uh, I get it. I, I think it's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You'd be surprised. I, it was funny. I was on a call with a, one of our really good vendors yesterday and he's watching our, you know, he watches our LinkedIn as well and, and sees a lot of the posts, but it, it's not just for attracting talent. I think it's a really, um, it's a really subtle way to show, you know, the company culture to outside vendors as well that kind of latch onto that and say, Hey, yeah, you guys are sure. doing something, you're doing something right there with your people as well. Um, and so that's a good look in the business. And I, I think it really does help, retain and attract vendors as well, just by, you know, you would think it's mainly for employee retention or acquisition, but it's, it's not as much that as it is. I mean, it is that, but it, it definitely helps as well externally too. You'd be, you'd be very surprised. Yeah. That's some, yeah. that's some great. Well, I mean, it's your, it's advice. your business's highlight reel, just like Facebook is your personal highlight reel, right? I mean, like Facebook is charging businesses to, to get in front of people, but they're not charging people to get in front of people. LinkedIn is right. not yet charging businesses yeah. to get in front yeah. of businesses. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's Correct. where you can do that. Yeah. Right. That's, right. that's great. Absolutely. Gary, you need, there's a ton of great advice in what we've been talking about here for about the last half hour. And uh, again, I, I really appreciate you coming on to share your story. I know your time is really valuable. Um, so there are thousands of, of small business owners listening to this episode. If there was you know, one tip that you could leave them with, uh, 
what 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 would it be for maybe somebody who's just getting started or struggling or you know following you on LinkedIn going god these guys all have it all together you know what 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 tip would you leave them with yeah i, I think the the biggest thing for me uh has really been uh surrounding myself with the right um content um and that content i guess comes from the the people um in my my network uh, my leadership team and then um, I, I listen to audio books uh, on the to work and then on the way home from work as well. So um, I, I really try to um, that content is is um, I try to make it as positive um, as possible. And I try to uh, put things in front of me that I that I you know, whether it's a topic that I'm trying to better myself in a uh, short term struggle that I'm dealing with. I try to put the right content in front of myself. Um, at the right time. And, um, and I think a lot of that is it just really comes down to when do you have, when do you have time? And then what's, what is the content really going to get you closer to where you want to be in the future? I think too often people get in the car and they put on the radio or their favorite song and they don't really think, Hey, this is some time here that I could really better utilize um, to get me closer to where I want to be. So I, I would say, Honestly, my one piece of advice would be to um, surround yourself with the right content and look at opportunities where you have a little bit of time to put some positive, positive content um, in your life um, in particular. So, yeah, that is great advice, man. I always tell people. Dave and I talk about it, you know, they say, Oh, I don't have any time. I was like, well, do you watch TV? <laughs> well, right. yeah, well, don't, <laughs> you know, yeah. there's yeah. your time. I can carve out, you know, two, two or three hours a day. I imagine at a minimum for, for folks. So that, oh, that yeah. listening in the car and the audio books and uh, that content uh, advice that that's great. And I think it's, it's often missed. Um, so I, I thank you for that. And, and, you know, thank you again for coming on the show today to share your knowledge. Um, I really am jazzed to follow you guys on LinkedIn and see your success and how you you bring a different uh, level of, I think, professionalism and uh, to, to that market that I've been very familiar with. There's a lot of fly-by-nights and looking at your success is great. It inspires me. Um, what's the best way for people to learn more about your businesses and to connect with you? Yeah, LinkedIn, I think. <laughs> right? um, I, yeah, LinkedIn is um, really uh, where it's at for us. I mean, connect, feel free to connect with me um, personally on, on LinkedIn, as well as uh, Tech Defenders or other businesses. Uh, I can sign up for email newsletter on, on our website, Tech Defenders website, techdefenders.com. Um, as well, we have um, a sign up there. But um, yeah, I, I really think the social side and we, we put everything um, out on, on social media on, on LinkedIn. And so I would say that's probably, that would be where I would start um, Perfect. for anybody. And feel free to connect with me personally as well. That's Yeah, that's great. And, uh, you know, again, it's a great story, uh, seeing it over this, you know, past decade. And we look forward to uh, reaching out to you again, you know, in the coming years and uh, checking in with you from time to time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Thanks a lot for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for being yeah. on the show. This has been great, yeah, thank man. Thank you. Well, that was pretty awesome, man. Gosh. Dude, th- there's so many great tidbits on this thing. And like I always say, uh, I always learn the most. It's a huge motivator for me because I get to, you know, glean all this knowledge from these awesome. When he uh, was saying surround yourself with the right content, I'm thinking, wait a minute, I'm at my job and I'm surrounding myself with the right content. Listening to this guy like this is yeah, it. This smart. is what he's talking about. Listen to this kind of stuff. 
Man. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. I can't wait to talk to Gary again in a few years. Absolutely. Absolutely. See what he's doing. Yeah. So, hey, folks, if you listened and you really enjoyed it, one of the things you can do to help out the Small Business Show is leave us a review. Uh, go to businessshow.co slash review and get over to the Apple podcast directory. Literally take you 30 seconds. Give us some uh, feedback and it really helps us and we really appreciate your support. Absolutely. And uh, thanks to Gary for everything that he's done and, uh, and sharing his story with us. Thanks to all of you for listening. Thanks to our great sponsors, Lino.com slash SBS, Go.co slash SBS, BlipBillboards.com slash SBS. And thanks to you, Shannon. Good stuff. Hey, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, man. See you next week.